Welcome. My name is Tess Vismel from iSocialX, and my partner in crime, who I always put in jail, is... Why am I in jail? (laughs) (laughs) But I would be Keith Johnston with i3 Events and Plannerware. Yes, and together we enjoy you pulling up with us on a regular basis for the Event Tech Pull-Up, our podcast. But I still want to know why I'm in jail. Because you're my partner in crime and you never do the intro right. I'm always fussing at you at the intro. Everyone knows that by now and they probably look for it. I'm not really fast. (laughs) It's okay. I totally didn't get that. It's see, see, that's awful. Okay. All right, boys and girls, this is what we're going to do. You know that little lock that goes on the ankle? We'll put him on a work release program. If he gets it right in episode three. So we are in season two, episode two, and we are really excited to be with you today. And I'm going to take a little detour. We have with us today a wonderful person who is near and dear to my heart. And I'm just going to call her Ashanti just because that is what I call her all the time. She is what um, most people don't realize. She's a pure event technologist, pure, pure, pure. And she has developed this and designed this company called The Event Mind, which just in itself and in its right, when you think about it and you hear those words, things pop to mind around someone who crafts, designs, leads, and has really truly revolutionized our industry and you might not even realize that she's a diversity expert she of course is an events entrepreneur researcher which means lots of thought leadership involved with that and a speaker she heads up of course the team in event of event mine a virtual event production company that's based in london and she is also co-founder of the global network Black in Events. And she's done a lot around DNI recently um, in our industry. And you've probably seen her on a lot of um, <clears throat> events, uh, of course, virtual and digital events recently. So we want to bring Ashanti up to the screen because we normally kick off with the news and we thought it was fitting that she join <laughs> us because of how brilliant she is to join us and we'll get her opinions and thoughts around the news that's happening uh, in our space. Ashanti, welcome. Oh, hi everyone. I mean, I don't know whether to burst into tears. Or I'm actually speechless. I was thinking, who's, who's Tess talking about? Can't, <laughs> can't be me. <laughs> so that's really, really sweet. <laughs> um, you, you all are really good at introductions. <laughs> because... <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Keith would have been like, uh, and there she is. I can't even tell people who I am. <laughs> Well, as you know, before I was like, oh, just call me a shanty. It's, uh, it's fine. But uh, thank you. That was, um, <laughs> that was um, a really nice introduction. <laughs> <laughs> no problem. We're glad to be here. So um, Keith, tell us about the news for today. Kick us off. Where are we? So much has happened um, just overall in the last couple of days, not even just the last week or even since we did our very last episode. There was a lot of news to pick from. (laughs) I mean, we won't even get into the Apple announcements and and everything that's going on with with Apple, because there there are a couple of things that were actually 
pretty important. Uh, the first one was uh, a couple days ago, as everyone may or may not have heard, depending on, on how you consume media, but YouTube had a really, really big outage. Um, and it was kind of a rolling thing and it was bad and people were upset. But it kind of made me think as, as I was reading about this, I'm like, you know what? This is exactly why event people need to have backup plans for their virtual events. Because if YouTube can go down for a couple hours, it, you can go down. Yes, yeah. exactly. So Shadi, tell us about that. Like what that means. You've produced digital experiences many, many years and hybrid many, many years. So first tell the audience about that kind of experience that you have and then tell us what your thoughts and what it, the implications on YouTube mm. specifically going down with that. Yeah, I mean, I will start with the news though because it's just too juicy, Keith, as you said. <laughs> uh, ironically, I, and this is funny because I, my foundational training was in finance and I used to be a, a regulatory compliance consultant. And so risk, was my thing every single day when I spent my day uh, telling the bank these are the risks if you don't do xyz and funny enough when we're working with digital events it is no different I think we kind of take it for granted how much tech that we're using wi-fi being freely available even in the middle of a plaza you know in Italy for example you can get wi-fi now and you know do what you need to do so I think there is a certain level of complacency in the digital world uh, when it comes to uh, safeguarding your uh, virtual event because there's just an assumption that the wi-fi will always be fine all of the systems the software it will all work you know perfectly that's the last thing on people's minds when they're talking about virtual events at the moment so i thought that was very juicy uh, when i saw that youtube was done i don't know if you remember a few years back when um amazon and all of the the same uh, on that was an incredible day as well because incredible. there were so many things you couldn't use and people didn't realize that they all ran on the same system well and that's <laughs> right that's the, yeah. I mean, that that's yeah. super like most people don't realize I was, I was talking to a digital security person uh, a couple of years ago and we were we were laughing about you know what who's the most dangerous company or who's the, in the world and like all these people are like Facebook and it's it's Google and the dude is like it's Amazon because yeah. they know everything you buy and 40% of the world's internet traffic goes through their, their through their servers yeah and people don't understand how much technology is built on AWS. That yes. is the point. So it's not so much, it, it, yes, oh. stuff you can see, but it's the ones that you cannot see. Yes, exactly. Because most things, there's some kind of integration API, and there really are just very few systems in existence that you can attach anything else to. So you can create a brand new brand a brand new software company, but behind it all, in terms of that, you know, infrastructure, it's the same. <laughs> so um, I, I, I thought it was quite interesting when it was down this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And, and I just want to make one other point for our uh, meeting professionals who um, don't know a whole lot about the digital space, but yeah. may... Um, and have had so much, just everyone who's had so much interaction with Zoom, 
and their first go-to is, oh, you can broadcast through Zoom to Facebook. Oh, you can broadcast through Zoom to YouTube. So you all imagine how many even smaller meetings or smaller uh, events, if you will, were about to or had every plan day before yesterday to broadcast from Zoom into YouTube and then what yeah. happened at that yeah. point. So mitigating risks, but more in addition to <laughs> having plan A through Z, <laughs> Yeah. the what ifs like if the the whole if this then that what <laughs> should happen well, should be yeah. a part of your uh your planning process and that's why with digital events you know you have to have a crash plan right you've got to know what's if 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 the building collapses what is plan b yeah. uh, you know even if plan b is nothing but sending an email to all attendees you yeah. still have to know I, you know what? And I've been doing my, I did my first virtual event in 2008, right? So it's been a long time. And even I forget things like the crash plan. You know, we had an event that went a little bit sideways. Fortunately, it didn't go all the way sideways or else I would have been out and out on a, but no, the event was only 45 minutes. No one ever thought to put together a crash plan. Yeah. Yeah. And, and exactly. that, so, and if I can forget it, anybody can forget it. Mm, I think also it kind of, I mean, <laughs> I think this is a combination for me in terms of my mindset being an entrepreneur for so long. Risk is a big part of it. It's risky to launch new concepts and products. It is risky every time you, you know, put your chips on one particular concept. It's all about risk at the end of it. And I think that's why it's always important to think about what other ways can we still make this happen apart from the one way we're either being told? And that's why I do have issues at the moment with a lot of the advice advice uh, being given because I, I think it's less about there being only one way to do something properly and more about find the right ways that can help you achieve your particular goals. Uh, because there's a lot of people who don't actually have, and it's no fault of their own, but when it does come to the technology, they don't have necessarily the knowledge of all the things that can go wrong. And they're planning huge events, no backup plan. In fact, they may never have even asked, come to think of it, the event technology platform, if they're working directly with them, or even the partner that's helping them deliver. Well, what happens if? Yes. And they also don't, and I know we're getting off, but we do, they also don't ask that in the RFP process, when they're selecting the technology, oftentimes, even if they get to the point to think about it, it's really right before the event starts and they're like, oh yeah, but really, and we're gonna get back to portions of that in the interview yeah. part. So nonetheless, Keith, what's next up on the news? Uh, well, this kind of does fall in the same vein, a little bit, kind of, um, but update Google. Update Google Chrome if you use it. Now, Google should automatically update for most people, but um, I don't know what Google's doing. Either they've taken a deep dive into Chrome, or, or but they've been finding a lot of security flaws lately. Um, and they found three last week, uh, and then outside um, firms found another two. Um, so just please update Chrome, uh, because remember, your attendee data counts on it. Yeah. <laughs> Your life depends on it. Yes, so yes. Shanti, in, in risk, since you, you are the aficionado on risk of the three of us right now, 
so people, you know, who owns YouTube? People got to remember that, right? So if yeah. Google is doing an update with Chrome on the yeah. same exact day that YouTube went down, you yeah. got to see the synergies in that, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think also from a risk standpoint and the breaches of, uh, from a security standpoint, people are not realizing some of the breaches of security happened a year or two years ago, like the one with Mashable. That, yeah. that was not... I know today, but that happened a, year, a couple of years ago. That's not to mention the people trying to come into systems uh, now. So tell yeah, us your thoughts. Yeah. No, and, and that's true. Again, it's, you know, when you are mitigating risk, you give yourself more options than one. And I think this is really interesting. I see a lot of um, software consolidation services now uh, where everything we do now is being integrated. Find all your apps in one place, uh, you know, all your tabs in one place. You can pay for everything with just, you know, um, touching your phone. I personally, because I <laughs> uh, think about risk, I don't like those kind of things. If I have to log into four separate platforms, I will, because I feel really uncomfortable with all of my information being stored literally in one place. Because what does happen if that is breached or it breaks down, you know, all of these things. So I think it's really um, prudent for anyone who is planning <laughs> an online event at the moment to think through what systems are we using? How integrated are they? Sometimes integration is not always better in terms of the safety. Um, <laughs> it might be more convenient for you, but it may not always be better. Well, because you are, you are a, once you do that, right? And I, I tell this to enterprise IT people all the time. You know, you're only as safe as your weakest link. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, Sa Sally in accounting, whose password is password. Right. That is your problem. Wait a minute. Sally in accounting who came to a tech bar with us and we asked her about changing. We had to get on the mobile app and she's got to figure out what her password is for her iPhone, her Apple ID password. Yeah. And then all the passwords fell on the floor. Sally on that piece of paper, Sally. <laughs> yeah, that one. But the same holds true with your technology partners, right? And and so that's a really, really good point, right? You're Once you start taking all of, and I always look at it from attendee data, right? Because I don't want to ever lose any. You know, once you start connecting those widgets together and putting them all together, it's the weakest link over here because yeah. once somebody's in, they're coming right through. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, when we sign up to events now and even apps, it will say, do you want to do a social login? And I really prefer to log in via email I'll create an account with my email I will not allow especially not LinkedIn because actually I'm allowing you into my profile all of my connections my network the content that I share I don't think so so I am that person who will pick on sign up with email thank you yeah we all have our things definitely well and, and also when you do that I always find just from a pure from a pure security stupidity standpoint once people connect things like their google account their facebook account their linkedin account they tend to not unconnect them right mm. and so like you know i used to right and now i'm kind of like you where i try and sign up with email as much as possible but there was something that's been connected to my account for like three years just yeah. because i wasn't thinking about it and you get and you gotta do those those like just like we check anything else. I think it's good to do a health check 
on that and look at the breaches, like even going through, if you did your update with Chrome as you should in there, there's a security check scan. And if you saved your passwords to any of those Google uh, systems like that, it shows you, go ahead and take them off or at least go, it should remind you where they are, then go ahead and change those passwords. Then you can remove it from Chrome at that moment or you can go in and figure out into that particular system, log in and say, oh, I did, do this a long yes. time ago and don't remember it yes. or yes. choose a password protection you know um system where it does a check of all of your passwords and then you can change all your passwords and then move things through. do a you can do a do it a myriad of ways so mm, absolutely but you know the reality is it's a bit of a hassle because to Keith's point, when you remember that you have, you know, a couple of things still integrated, try finding out how you unconnect them right. <laughs> in that moment, right? Sometimes you don't even know where to start. You've got to find the settings, then right. you've got to scroll down the settings. Exactly. To ch- and sometimes you have to click on each one, open yep. them up and see, is this the one? It, they don't make it easy or clear for you to unconnect. No, no, no. you feel like it. The only two, the two places that I use, the, my either I use, I have a hundred different password protection places, but I have LastPass and Dashlane and I use their um, their security check and use it that way. But then there's an app called Jumbo that I found not too long ago that I actually love. And it's a pay as you go. And it checks for security breaches everywhere, including LinkedIn. So if there are breaches, it'll pull things out for me. It'll shut down all of a sudden if I don't want my recommendations out there. If I don't want certain right. certain settings that I've already done, it will on the pro version, it'll it'll bring that to my attention and allow me to stop those things. Delete a lot of my old messages in Messenger on Facebook, all really? of those kinds of Oh yeah, that thing really? is funny. we're gonna we'll we'll make okay. sure we put that in the show notes and then I'll also send it to you, Shanta, to see you. Okay, yes, please. Awesome. When I say awesome, the thing is awesome. And it's a pay as you want. Mm. That's that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I guess that was our new our also news. Well, we know we got one more. I know we got one more. It's really big. <laughs> okay. So key. Ashanti, last week, and this is why this is apropos, last week we kicked off season two, episode one, and we did it live within Event Tech Live. Yes. Which we're going to talk about the winners from the Event Tech Awards in a moment. But the beautiful thing about this, too, is Ashanti was at Event Tech Live, too, last week. So, A... Tell us about what you did there, what you thought Uh, about the event, and then we'll talk about the winners. Yeah, sure. So it was lovely to have a whole week of people, you know, who are interested in tech in the events industry together. (laughs) So there was something every day uh, that I could, uh, you know, kind of listen to while I was working. The highlights for me, I would be very biased. The Women in Event Tech Roundtable was really interesting. It was brilliant to see women from all over the world. That was great. There were people there from the continent of Africa, Asia. It was brilliant. So that was a highlight. Secondly, uh, in terms of our <laughs> adding value, we, we, we did two sessions. We did one on how to make sure that the use of event technology is inclusive. Uh, and, and beyond accessibility. And then the second session we were involved with was an Ask the Expert session where people just asked us lots of questions about virtual uh, and digital events. 
So it was quite fun, very full on, but met some brilliant people. And I was overjoyed to see that on the programme there was a section for podcasting because I think this is a key medium right now in the world, but also uh, definitely in the event space. So it was good to see you both on there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And she's being really modest right now. You do have your own podcast as well. You want to tell us <laughs> oh, dear. Yes. Yeah, so online events made simple. Uh, you'll get to know that I, I believe a lot of things are made complicated unnecessarily. I think we need to go back to stripping it back and just being plain old, direct, upfront, straightforward about online events. It isn't a secret. It's not... <laughs> you know, elitist, it's, yeah. it's, it's so accessible. It is. I think, I think so many planners and so many people who are pouring buckets full of money into platforms and all this stuff are losing the forest for the trees because it's not, it's not your, it, people confuse all the time. They say they want engagement and they don't. They want engaging. Right. Mm. And you know what? Mm. Polls and a chat box and all of that stuff aren't going to make attendees sit here and watch. Yes. Right. Yeah. When, when, you know, there are certain shows on the television, you know, that I've been hugely popular, you know, line of duty in the UK yeah. or here, here breaking bad, like that, that level, yeah. they don't have chat boxes and they don't have, all this stuff, yet people tune in every single week to watch because they're engaging, right? And yeah. that, people forget that all the time. I think you're absolutely right. I think simple yeah. is best. It is simple is always best. And also I think, you know, the fact of the matter is, I think you, I think about, okay, my behavior as an attendee, basically. I go like Event Tech Live, I tuned into uh, content that solved or was covering a problem that I had. If I'm really honest, when I look deep into it, mm -hmm. it's a problem or pain that mm -hmm. drives me to attend any event or tune into any content. It isn't actually because I like you. I mean, I love Event Tech Live. I love Adam Parry. I love what they do. But that alone is not going to make me tune into Event Tech Live. It's usually a problem or a pain that I may be experiencing that drives me towards that content which says it's going to address that problem or pain and I think especially for a lot of people who are actually um, planning business events this is going to be important you should know or be getting to know the problem or pain of your ideal attendees especially in the virtual space if you are addressing that problem and or pain they will they will attend yeah so like That's I said it. I totally agree when I when, when we were on and it was speaking at um, the event tech day with Julius, I said, you know, that my, my question with that spit fire, I had one question to answer in three minutes. I think it was three or five minutes. And my one question is, what do people do about Zoom burnout? And literally, I said, you need to ask them what they want. Have you asked them what they want and how they want it? If you haven't started there, then you failed miserably. Yeah, absolutely. And I also think, I mean, I'm really an outsider to this industry. Uh, I'm not a lifer. There's lo I, I meet lots of event lifers. And, you know, I, I think what I have observed in the, the few years I've been a part of it is that 
there's an echo chamber. So events people listen to events people. And I'm just like, hold on a minute, but they're not the people buying from you. And so, you know, you should be polling, as it were, asking questions of your actual buyers, your clients, your customers. So, you know, I remember, I mean, and, you know, it's changed now, but at the beginning of COVID, even in the early days, this obsession with live events coming back, you know, and just doing nothing. Yes. And saying that, you know, people love meeting in person. Well, of course we do. But the problem is, is that now that nearly a year has passed, your clients have also moved on. So you can't go back next year and say to them, right, we're going to do a live event the way we were doing it back in 2019. Because they don't want that either anymore. They are seeing the potential. Totally, totally. We have, Tess, Tess knows, we, we, we actually had the opportunity to work together on an event a couple of weeks ago, and it was an international conference that was literally going 24 hours a day for five days. And, you know, they had people from all over the globe. And at the end of it, we all sat down and we're like, yeah, okay, well, hopefully we're in person next year, but we still have to do the virtual. Yeah. Because they were like, there were people that attended that had never attended before. And, exactly. and Keith, I was thankful enough to be a thought, uh, be a part of the Thought Leadership Summit with WEC last week. And after going through that face-to-face, now I'm saying to myself, I, I said it before, but experiencing it, there are going to be so many people who would have come face-to-face in real life who will say, yep, yeah, no, that's too much of a hassle. I'm not putting all that PPE on to be hot and sweaty to go into a room with people that are past. I don't. Yeah, that's just too much. That's too extra bag. <clears throat> sweating. I have high flat. I'm just not going to do it. And that might be a, a customer that you haven't designed your digital content around and yeah. not thought about that whole market share who just chooses not exactly. to go, not just because of money, not just because they may be mobility challenged, just because they said, eh, no, I prefer just, you know. I saw a picture of this ballroom and, I, and it wasn't from... WBC. It was from Southern and, and it was like all these tables were like 20 feet apart with like four people at a table and this giant ballroom and the person posted the picture and it's like, it's great to be back to live events. And I'm looking at it going, who would want to be there? It's not inviting. It's not yeah. as inviting as yeah. you see visually. You got to do it. And that is why we, and I know we got to talk about the winners in a moment, but that is why we have to do things differently around changing people's mindsets on what they see and what they observe of what in real life is going to look like because mm. first impressions are lasting impressions and if you don't have um something that will draw them in with that quick eyesight to make them want to come you might not want to show that yeah i think also as well again it's probably going to be an unpopular opinion but you know a lot of people uh, were running mediocre in-person events. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, I mean, we really need to talk about this. You know, the people, yes. <laughs> not every in-person event was absolutely booming and banging. Like it wasn't. <laughs> no. And so, I mean, you know, and I just feel like, come on now, you know. And so, I think the people who were mediocre before, it's a good chance now for you to raise your game on the quality of content on how well, again, you're solving a pain or problem for your target audience. And, you know, 
Yeah, because I, I, you know, the same content, we were all having these same conversations about engagement, ROI on in-person events as we are on virtual. So when people are comparing the two, it's like, well, no, it's the same challenges, just two different mediums. Uh, you'll still need to up your game. That's, that's, and you're going to have to up your game be even more from digital too. Exactly. Because, because with, <laughs> with digital, you can prove it fast because the numbers are there quicker. I also think there's a little part, sorry to interrupt you there, Tess, as well, is that I think in the digital as well, because there is this merging of social media and digital medium, and because of the instant gratification that people get on social media, there's almost this expectation that that happens for a digital event as well. Mm. So I've seen a lot of people really focusing in on how many people turned up live how many people commented in the chat box how many people answered the poll and I don't believe that those are actually sturdy statistics to measure your whole virtual event on the same as likes and follows we know our vanity metrics there are plenty plenty of brands and influencers who are broke and they have millions of followers I, I think that we need to be really honest you know again keep it simple judging on the number of people who turn up live, I, I think that is just, you know, I, I don't think that's sustainable. Totally agree. So let me, let's follow up. I do up. agree with that. Give us, the, <laughs> give us one or two things of what you think then that people should use. Well, I mean. What, what have you, just, and it doesn't have to be something that they've yeah. met before, just um, in terms of what you think might be a little bit more substantive for it. Yeah. I actually think it's the amount of like inbound leads. So obviously for me as an entrepreneur, I am very sales focused. And, you know, for me, when we go live uh, or we participate in a virtual event, I want to know how many people inquired about working with us, whether that was through the website, LinkedIn inboxes, uh, emailed us, called us. That's always my measure personally because we don't need exposure as a business. We need to make sure that we're always developing the business. So for me, that is um, the opportunity and leads that come from that virtual uh, or digital event. And there isn't probably a virtual or digital event that I have been a part of that we have not, have not attracted inbound leads. And that's our measure. So we engineer our content or our presence at that event to make sure we at least generate some inbound opportunities for ourselves. And do you do just, and I know we're still going off on our lovely soapbox, but do you, (laughs) does it, because I think this is great for the audience because they're always talking about, well, how do Mm. I please and give value to our partners or our sponsors, exhibitors uh, per se, but do you, is that value in those leads on volume of leads or the quality of that lead? It's got to be quality all the time. And, and, and taking a step back from that is, again, sometimes I find that a lot of planners are working off of old assumptions and data. Have you spoken to your sponsor today about what it is they want from this event? Not what they've had from all of your previous in-person events. Right. Life has changed. Business has changed. Have you spoken to them today and said, what would success look like to you if you participated and partnered with us on this event? And that's a simple poll that they could use ahead of time within the designing of the content that they're creating for the event, then go ahead and try and figure out what channels and then on the back end at last, pick the event. Yes, 
And well, that's, I mean, that's so true. And, and, you know, some they, people always, it always amazes me how many people pick the, pick the wrong metric, right. To measure. And especially with, with exhibit halls, because, you know, if, if you have one attendee to two different events and at this event, the exhibitor sells widgets for five bucks, one attendee isn't going to get him very far. However, over at this event, if you sell jet airline parts or whatever, one sale could be a billion dollars. So exactly. one attendee could be the best event you've ever gone to in your whole life. And, yeah. and to Ashanti's point, you don't know unless you ask. And yeah. you need to, that's why I, that was one of the best things that anyone's ever said is have that conversation <laughs> with your sponsors and say, what does success look like? Can you just ask, ask, please? Ask the question. Just ask the question. Simple question. You leave it open ended. You can put it in a poll. You can use style, put it in a poll, and email it to them and just let them ask. But we all know that's how you you develop business in the first place, right? It's and I know we've got into a habit, and there's a lot happening. There's a lot of noise of selling a fixed product or a fixed service, and that's not how. I do business anyway. I've found that when, especially if you're selling B2B, it's about understanding that that client's needs and working towards meeting those needs. In a way, you can't ever lose. You can't lose yeah. if you're doing that. But if yeah. you're working off of old assumptions, what you think they want, what you think, and, and maybe actually this is a conversation where sometimes we have to maybe either accept or explore, maybe we can't meet those needs then. Yeah, I was, yeah. and I was about to say, that, that's <laughs> the skimming of the fat. Like you might have thought you had a thousand or two thousand. And maybe you can't. And, it, and, it's, and it, that's not necessary. And that's just extra stuff and people yeah. and resources you're paying for. And you have more, more ROI within that smaller group. Exactly. Larger group. Yeah, because yeah, at the moment, and I know planners go through that all the time. They do. I mean, in managing up to the C-suite to get the C-suite to accept and deal with that reality, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And And I'll loop this back to event tech because event tech companies are the worst at listening to what their clients. (laughs) Okay. You got to hold off on that one. Let's do the winners first. And then then we'll get to the interview that we were going to have in the beginning. That's why I love, I told you, I knew this was going to be really exciting. I love it. I love when I see magic coming and it comes and it's like, all right. So, now, we had a few winners, um, and instead of us doing a talk back on each winner, we're just going to mention them overall. So for the best uh, technology startup, we have, who was it, Keith? Socio. Perfect. Um, and actually, we were, ex- we were excited. They're doing an event hack um, now, and I was on the winning team for the first event hack, so I was really excited about that. So I think next week is a finals for it. So best yeah. new technology product is venue iq and i will i will plead ignorance on that one i'm not familiar with them yeah so uh do you know them well at all ashanti i don't i have seen them around but i definitely haven't used it as yet yeah so best pivot from physical to virtual is a bid in group okay yeah and best visitor registration technology is? Of that core. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they're good. They're really good. And yeah. uh, uh, best event management platform? Events Air. 
Um, yeah, we got to do a whole show on event management platforms. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait to do that one. And um, another thing I want to do to Keith, uh, and I think it might be good, we'll bring, we'll put that point down to bring Ashanti back to talk about this too, when we talk about roles and process and things uh, like that, like we, like yeah. we did and then we're going to be doing next week is uh, what does the word event management mean? What, yes. does the, what does the term event planning mean? And then what does the term that I love, two terms I love, event execution and then event um, production. Yeah. So, nonetheless, uh, best venue booking solution is event booking. Uh, best hybrid event or live streaming solution. Invent for Samsung. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, no, I mean, yeah. I thought that was an interesting one. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's a. I'm not saying. It, please don't take my. I'm not saying it's a bad choice. I'm. I'm just like, hmm, didn't see that coming. No, yeah. Um, I think it was what they did for. Yeah. Sam's. Best use of technology for engagement and interaction B2B. Kanduko. Mm. Best use of technology for engagement and interaction B2C. Uh, real life techs, tech, which was formerly lifestyled. Best use of technology for audience participation. Hoopa. Okay. Yeah, I agree I, with that one. No, yeah. I, think all, I think all three of us agree with that one, right? Mm, yeah, okay. I think that they've been doing, in terms of recent time, they've been doing a good job of um, where they were to where they are now with what has occurred in our industry. Yes. Best use of wireless technology. Kanduko, again, a two-time winner now. Okay. Best use of technology for event analytics and data collection. Um, that was exposure analytics. Best sales technology. Now listen in because Deshanti said she's a sales girl. <laughs> uh, it's uh, Bleep UK. Okay. All right. Best immersive experience. Um, two heads global design. That's. I, I think that's something that's really uh, in its infancy. It yeah. Um, but yes, doing great things. Yeah. Best use of AI technology. Uh, Master Badge. Best event networking technology. Uh, Hoover. And again, I, 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 I see it. I see it too. Best workforce management technology. Um, in it live. And they've been around for a while. Yeah. Well, and that's the one thing. I've that, used them before too. Yeah, and people do forget, right, that you've got to manage your workforce. Um, you know, mm. how, how many planners do it in Excel? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Best use of technology at brand event. Uh, invent for Samsung again. Best festival technology. Um, festivals, totally not my wheelhouse, but it's uh, one plan. Yeah. Okay. Best conference technology. This is good. This is an interesting one right here. Bizabo. Yeah. Okay. Conference technology, because I thought it was interesting when adding and then broke out the categories a little differently than they had before. Yeah. Um, best exhibition technology, don't say it yet. We want Ashanti's reaction to this one because she <laughs> is trade show and exhibit queen and goddess. So <laughs> best exhibition technology. Kanduko. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> I think it's a very difficult category in general, if I'm honest. I don't think most event tech platforms are natively organically suited to trade shows and exhibitions. I think there's often quite a bit of modification to be done on the platform. And in addition to that, a lot of kind of onboarding uh, and persuading clients to see the vision when you suggest said platform because of what they're expecting. And I think also there is also the, the challenge of a lot of the 3D presenting platforms that traditionally I think say they do trade shows. So you find a lot of clients will look at those like a V fairs and say, oh, that's what I was expecting. Or I think that's what virtual of trade show looks like, which I don't believe it has to be like that. So I think it's not platform's fault yet, but I think a platform needs to just do trade shows. That would be quite helpful <laughs> because, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, you know, the, the, sometimes I think with some of the 3D boothy kind of things, sometimes I think it's a case of the event technology people giving the customers what they want, even though it's actually not what the customer needs. Needs. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but they're giving it. They're giving it a very, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a tidy penny yeah. to have right. that that visual. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother other episode or two. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to the most innovative and tech friendly venue. Um, ICC Belfast. Um, I've, okay. actually, I've actually done there. So yeah. Best technology partnership. Uh, One World Rental and Givery. Um, don't know, you know, it's worth I don't know anything about them. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, best event app. Event base. Okay. Yeah, okay. Favorite event technology supplier, the People's Choice Award. So I'm gonna start with bronze prize. Oh, okay, we're gonna go the other way, Brella. Yeah. Okay. Always, do, they always do a great job. Yeah, they do a great job with networking. Yep. Uh, the silver prize went to, I'm going to flip this around and make you do a test. Who is it? <laughs> well, I want to do the next one too, just because I have an affinity. Okay. okay. Um, so the silver, oh, silver prize goes to Visible. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know what? For, for, you know, I've used Bisbal long, long, long time ago. Um, and now I'm actually, I have a client that is using it and I'm in there now. And it's great product. Kind yeah. of, you know? It's in your face. I like things that are just right there in your face. Like, yep. yeah, it, logic is always yes. that I like about that. Um, and Keith? The gold prize goes to? Goes to my love and my heart. Johnny at Shock Logic. Really, it's really Shock, Lo Shock Logic. Johnny. I <laughs> <laughs> so I was really excited about that one. So what do you think about those People Choice Awards, um, Ashanti, versus the ones that were uh, judged? Do you know what? I, I think it is, it's a really important category to have because I think it does give us a different set of data uh, in terms of because a lot of that will be based obviously on user experience. I think it will also be based on companies that maybe have great marketing or visibility and presence mm -hmm. and then also you've got the perception as well of um you know how good a product actually is so i think there's a nice 
balance, you could read a lot or not into the people's choice category versus the ones that are judged. No problem. Well, what I'm going to do right now, we have a few more minutes. We have about five. So I'm going to take liberty to do something interesting with the audience. I'm going to read out three of the questions we were going to ask Ashanti. I think our content today was absolutely phenomenal because we got to talk about news, current things, and really for you all to get a good sense of kind of how we are, what we're thinking, and what's on the pulse of things. So I'm going to let the audience have a peek into what the quick three questions are and then what Keith and I are going to do is gonna, we're going to bring Ashanti back to answer those questions a little differently than we had planned today. So it may come up to be a separate a second episode or we may do what I, what Keith knows that I've been burning to do for a long time and he just wouldn't let me do and what is that Keith? What's the thing I like I want to do? I got no idea because I, I have a brain Keith, like a colander. I do it in the beginning. I try my setups. I do Keith just did quibby bites, Keith. Quibby bites. Oh, I want to oh, do my oh. quibby bites. So I want to do Ashanti on the three question quibby bites. I did that. Good. So what are quibby bites, everyone? Quibby, quibby, for those of you who don't know, which they shifted and changed now, but they were doing bite-sized content Wait, around they, what they, you kind of saw on a Netflix. So just say it's sure the shorter version of a Netflix. <laughs> so Tab, what they, did, they didn't change and shift and change. They hit the ground so hard, they left a crater four miles wide. <laughs> they did, but I swear. I did, did two things about about Quibi is their content was really actually good. <laughs> it was short, so you could get things in like five minutes. You can get things in like eight minutes. So I'm going to read the questions, three questions to you here, just so you can hear the kind of topics to kind of tease you a little bit. And then what we're going to do is we're going to set up time with Ashanti in the future, and then we're going to have her do them in five or eight minutes and have it a complete episode at that point in time. But my dream, if I had my bucket loads of money, I would have bought Quibi and then I would have integrated it and made it an event app because everyone and their mama wants a good experience on their mobile device around an event. That, I don't, why someone hasn't done that, I don't know. And I just opened my mouth. Content was not Quibi's problem. Keith can edit this part out technically. No one would ever hear. Well, but no, but Quibi, content was not their problem. Their problem was upper management, right? They they wreck that. They wreck, I mean, how do you take four billion dollars, develop something like that, and then absolutely fail to have it at least make a dent in anything? Yeah, but the problem is, as we know in that tech world, it happens more often than we know. <laughs> and then we've got some great founders out there having to, you know literally beg, borrow and plead for the investment to yeah. do things where they're asking for like less than 1% of that amount of money. I yeah. mean, the amount of times I see these stories of, you know, certain kind of founded groups being manufactured like X Factor, Pop Idol. That's what we see in the tech world when it comes to development, right? It's highly manufactured. Yes. There's a Simon Cowell of tech investment funds. Yes. And the rest of us are out here screaming to get less than 1% of that investment. And well, we would do a better See, that is exactly why we didn't put that the big H one 
and that piece on here because we knew that would take on a whole another episode. Yeah, so sorry. What- <laughs> and I, I forgot what show where they said this, but where they were like, if you're going to come for the king, you best not miss, right? If you're going to debut something like a Quibi, you've, you're coming for YouTube, right? You're coming for TikTok. You don't, you, it's got to nail it. It's like when, when they came out with, what was the music streaming service? Was it Tidal? And they were coming. And yes, was the experience better than Spotify? Sure. Did they have the same music? Sure. But Spotify was already entrenched. If Unless, unless you've got something that is going to make the entire world shift, or at least a big portion of it, don't watch. Yeah. And you heard it from Keith live. Live. <laughs> live. <laughs> so what we're going to I'm just a dude sitting in front of a whiteboard. No one's listening. <laughs> so, uh, Ashanti, do you have any closing words for our audience today before I read the questions that they're going to hear the answers to in the future? Keep online events simple, please. <laughs> Keep online events. Uh, yes, I totally agree. So what we're going to be asking Ashanti in the future is what challenges are organizers experiencing when selling event tech? Again, organizers experiencing when selling event tech. Another one will be what can event tech companies do to make the purchase process easier for customers? Again, what can the event tech company do? Reverse. Event tech companies, you should tune into that. (laughs) just saying you need love and education too okay uh what trends can you see emerging in the event tech landscape those are three powerful questions that we're gonna spit fire to her and if she goes over the eight minutes it's not a problem because these are important 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 topics so thank you all for being with us today ashanti anything else for the audience before no thank you for having me